we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. episode of gratuitous sex and violence the podcast where both ned and i have two schlock timepieces, and we're going to coordinate our time right now you have sex and i have violence are you ready to coordinate our time on the uh, count of three uh, yes oh uh, one well, oh what two the, the button the button the three. sex button ah <laughs> that now that's way better than i think than like singing a song to coordinate our time, don't you think? I don't know. Like, <laughs> is that better than singing a song to coordinate our time? Like, if you were if you were gonna rob a bank, would okay. you would you rather coordinate your timepieces or sing a song? I think I would probably say coordinating the timepieces <laughs> would be preferable because we're about to rob a fucking bank. Right. And while I believe an expression of self and music is a universal language. Uh, probably not the most applicable thing for robbing a bank. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've been going about robbing yeah, banks wrong. I, we'll time. see. We'll see what you think about it after watching this movie. Now, Is this movie going to posit uh, <laughs> a case for singing on a fucking bank job? I, I really, I just wanted to give you like straight up from the beginning, this is the tone of this movie's operating on, okay? Okay. Now, we're, we're watching Hudson Hawk. Okay. A 1991 American action comedy film directed by Michael Lehman. Uh, Bruce Willis stars in the title role. He also co-wrote both the story and the theme song in this movie. Uh, This movie also stars an ensemble cast featuring Danny Aiello, who we just saw in Do the Right Thing, uh, Andy McDowell, James Coburn, David Caruso, Lorraine Toussaint, Frank Stallone, Sandra Berhard, and Richard E. Grant. So a lot of notable notables in this movie. Yeah, yeah, stacked, stacked. This film is about a cat burglar uh, played by Bruce Willis who is forced to steal Da Vinci works of art in a plot for world domination. Oh, 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 okay, sure. My name is Orlando. I'm uh, joined by my roommate, co-host, and guest, Ned. Have you ever seen this movie, Ned, or heard of it? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And boy, yeah, that really, none of that sounds familiar. Um, The name Hudson Hawk sounds vaguely film Mm noir-ish, so I was like not sure if we were in for a little more noir this week, but it sounds like that's not the case. No, it's not at all. At all. That probably would have been better, actually. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. This is one of those movies, this was a a notorious critical and commercial failure. Okay. So much so that to this day, Bruce Willis has not co-written or written another movie. (laughs) Wow. One and one and done. Headshot. We're we're done with you. The thing about this movie is, as we're going to find out, it's just that it's a really bizarre movie. That's really the best way to describe it. It's not like bad per se. It's not like blood blood rain level bad. Yeah. You know? It's it's uh, it's just a bizarre movie. Yeah. It's really strange. 
And let me tell you why that is. Let me preface this viewing for you. Oh boy. Okay? Now, this is an action comedy film, as I said. Now, action comedies don't really have the best track records. I think overall, it's really hard to have a good action comedy. Yeah. For every 48 hours, there's a rush hour three. You know? <laughs> it's really, yeah. But um, what this movie attempts to do, it attempts to give us a gritty, R-rated level action movie starring Bruce Willis with the tone of a Looney Tunes cartoon. That level of slapstick violence added to the R-level gore of it. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, we we already had a taste of interesting applications of slapstick with uh, uh, Drag Me to Hell. Correct. And and that did inspire a lot of discussions. Right. So um, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm down. I'm yeah. down for more of that. I'm down to feel uncomfortable with mm-hmm. what I'm watching. So well, not you know, able to make tonal consistency, like right. make tonal sense of it. So uh, that sounds great. So the biggest question is going to be: um, Were they successful in doing a live action rated R cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> Is if this episode ends up being the episode where I'm like, you know what, Drag Me to Hell was great because this movie was not. Um, th- th- that's that's my prediction for this episode. We'll see if that pans out. Not to not to tarnish my uh, my uh, my critical uh, my critical you know sense of journalistic integrity or whatever. Your objectiveness. Yeah, my objectivity. There we go. Not to tarnish my objectivity going in, but uh, so are you ready to watch Hudson Hawk? Yeah, yeah, more so now. All right, so guys, if you guys want to watch Hudson Hawk with us, it's available to stream. If you're a DirecTV um, subscriber, you can watch it off of the DirecTV app. Um, If you do not have DirecTV, you can watch it on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is an app and a website where you can watch TV shows and movies with ads. So you can go to PlutoTV.com and watch this movie free with ads. Um, So we're going to break and watch this movie now. Then we'll come back and play some trivia and discuss the movie at length. We'll see y'all on the other side. Mm-hmm. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. We though, are we, we back? Are. I think we're here. Here, yeah. We, we just watched Hudson Hawk. Now, this movie, although it's quite obviously a comedy, it was marketed as an action film because Bruce Willis was known as an action star. He had just made Die Hard Two the year before, um, and a lot of people say that the the reason why the movie failed. Um, in America is because of that, because people were expecting an action movie, but they got a comedy. It was marginally more successful in Europe. But I want to get what your reactions are, because I told you up front that this was a comedy. So what are your first reactions to this movie? I mean, even your, like, descriptions of the movie, like, could not have prepared me. (laughs) For for that entire viewing experience, yeah, it is an um, experience. It real because it really 
it really goes so far into the like comedic slaps like yeah. like and specifically to like a very very big oh, yeah. like physical comic sensibility right. that's just very larger than life um this movie is just so zany <laughs> yeah. um there's a word that or there's like a term that gets thrown around nowadays of like people having chaotic energy you right. know what i mean yeah like this movie i think like <laughs> definitely is energy. is the epitome of that like just chaotic energy um and like in a way, I'm not that mad about it. Like, right. I'm actually kind of glad this movie exists because it's yeah. just, it's so off the rails and, like, just so flies in the face of, like, how <laughs> I would expect a movie about, like, you know, like a jewel caper to go off, basically. Right. And yeah. it's like, when it's like, and it's interesting because I'm thinking about Fish Called Wanda right. a lot in the wake of this, too, because that's another very like wacky yeah. um, film. Mm -hmm. So I think that A Fish Called Wanda is is a far more successful film Absolutely. because because it's 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 much more tightly scripted and is much more character driven. Mm -hmm. So I think that and where, it's consistent in tone. And it's consistent in tone, absolutely. And mm -hmm. that, and this movie, like, it's yeah, it it's very all over the place. I I mean, I would say like it it's pretty goofy throughout. Mm -hmm. Like, there's never a point where I feel like it, it strays too far from its goofiness. Mm -hmm. For me, I think where this movie comes up short is in like the character stuff. I think that. It's it's lacking it's lacking and just kind of like how fleshed out its characters right. are like yeah there's just there's a lot of there's not a lot of nuance there's not a lot of you know there's not a lot of like particularly interesting motivations right. driving like the story I mean it's, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is that the movie the movie is entertaining because it's it has an unrelenting silliness. It's like every single choice is what's the what's the silly choice? How can we make this silly? It's like it's like and they make it. Yeah, it's almost like airplane, you know, right. just like literally upon a second. But like, there's nothing inherently interesting behind the silliness. Yeah. So in a way, it is kind of like the story itself is really boring, and what makes it watchable is just the goofiness but that keeps it very one note the experience yeah a little bit like that's a thing and and because it's just like the other thing too is like yeah you you use the word unrelenting and, yeah. and i think that that <laughs> like that makes it a very exhausting it movie very to watch exhausting. because like it's, it's throwing only an hour and a half long <laughs> and it's like throwing a lot of banter at yeah. you a lot of plot developments like you're you you're kind of keeping a lot of balls in the air and the thing is like they don't necessarily do a bad job of like communicating the important mm -hmm. information to you to know what's going on it's just that it's still coming at you right. at such a unrelenting pace that like it just it, it, it yeah you're just you're you're asked to accept a ton of new information yeah. at many points in the film right. they just kind of throw a lot of very ridiculous information at you and again because it's in this big style the information lands in a big way so you understand what's happening so that you can move on to the next thing mm -hmm. but um yeah it definitely yeah it, it is lacking in like a more 
yeah, and like a, a deeper, more interesting like investment in like the characters yeah. or the story. It's just I mean, like literally the villain of the film introduces himself as the villain. Right. And like I love films that are self-referential about their tropiness and whatever. Like I'm all about self-referential shit. I'm all about a villain announcing themselves as the villain of the film. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, eh, you know, give me give me a little more. Give me a little more. I have a reason why that <clears throat> that line doesn't work for me, but I'll talk about it more in a little bit. Um, yeah. Before we discuss this movie uh, a little bit deeper, let's play some Hudson Hawk trivia. Yeah, let's 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 do that. We'll see. We'll see how I do. <laughs> There's a lot of, like you said, chaotic energy in this movie, and a lot of shit that they get to get thrown at you. So, I did try to purposefully like keep this on the easy side just because there's just there's just too much i don't know there is there is and 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 in the interest of disclosure um uh, you you'd given me a hint as to what one of the questions right. may be and so i knew this going into the film like ooh okay well there's one detail uh-huh. to keep an eye out for and I'm still not sure I'm going to be able to answer oh, that shit. question. <laughs> so we're going to see how we do. Well, here we go. This uh, this quiz is uh, five questions and a bonus. Uh, we got uh, the, the questions go in order from least difficult to most difficult. And the grand prize is bragging rights. Right on. We're going to start you off nice and easy. Question number one. Yes. Da Vinci's invention turns what into what? Da Vinci's invention turns lead into gold. Lead into gold. Yeah. Which is the pursuit of alchemists throughout history. Yeah. And I guess if I were to take a little bonus credit, the initial plan was to turn lead into uh, copper, right? Bronze. Or bronze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and he accidentally created gold, and then he was super pissed off and bummed out about it. That was a very emo that portrayal was a weird, of That was da Vinci. a weird scene. Uh, the. The opening that of this movie is completely is so weird. weird because, like, it's just like it, they so fully invested in like depicting this thing, yeah, and like being like, "This is the movie," right. and it's like not the movie. It's not the movie at all. We come back to the fantasy element at the end, but yeah, the beginning like really establishes it as a fantasy movie, and it's, then it's not. No, like not at all. <laughs> um, also, it's, like laziest narration ever. Yeah, I really was just not here for the narration. Like, like the idea of opening it with narration is kind of funny, but like, yeah, the way that narration just as a whole, like that, it was clear that that was written very quickly. Slapdash, right? I think yeah. that the whole movie kind of has like a slapdash feel to it. A little bit, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, a lot of the, well, because there's all these like weird weapons that like right. clearly don't actually exist yeah. in it. Like, it, it, like that's the thing is like, there. it's a very inventive movie mm-hmm. and like, you know, they, they do a lot of their own funny hijinks, which I guess is a very 90s thing, like back before movies got all gritty and serious and realistic. Right. But like, it was so, so I appreciate that sort of time warp aspect mm-hmm. of it, but yeah. Now, there is no historical evidence that the uh, that Da Vinci actually dabbled in alchemy. We do have historical evidence that Sir Isaac Newton dabbled in alchemy, but not Da Vinci. Okay. Um, but the machine, which is known as the Da Vinci Gold Machine that's used in the movie, which was uh, designed by production designer Jackson Degovia, um, he did use a bunch of the principles and devices that come directly from the sketches and inventions of Da Vinci to give the machine a Da Vinci-esque appearance. 
That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it definitely had a distinctive visual flair to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I I was a little like, oh, this is a little a little much. I don't know how right. realistic it would have been that Da Vinci would have even built anything like that. But right. uh, but it definitely did have that flavor. I do kind of wish that the movie had gone further with the fantasy element because I feel like. I feel like the movie strays so far from that that when we get to the climax, it's like, oh, okay, you kind of forget that that's where the movie started, even. A little bit. Well, yeah, it's it's it was weird to just put in all that info or to to put in all that intro stuff of like you know depicting Da Vinci doing the thing, um, really only just to have the machine at the end of the right. movie. Like, I don't know how successful a payoff it yeah, was. Yeah, it really wasn't. Not that much. Um, and, they, and it would have been interesting to have like some sort of a connection, I think. Like, like you were saying, there's no deeper character connection. I completely agree. Like, why not have some sort of like connection between the Willis character and Da Vinci? Maybe there's like some sort of like family lineage or something. Yeah, there. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. Something to make this deeper. Anything. Uh, but you did great with that question. You got it right. Here comes question number two. Moving on a little bit. Um, what are the CIA agent's code names? <laughs> uh, we have uh, Snickers, mm -hmm. Kit Kat, mm -hmm. Butterfinger, mm -hmm. and Almond Joy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> um, so I, that's also really weird like the first time you see the movie you're like wait why is there so much product placement in the auction scene yes i noticed that snickers i was just like wow they are going mm -hmm. for it and then it turns out that it's that's part of the joke as these characters again there's just like so much unrelenting zaniness and i don't think that first of all i feel like if you're going to have zany characters you can't have too many of them. And I feel like this movie has way too many zany characters. Yeah, like that's a thing. The whole thing is just flat out bonkers. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it's it just, it's so much. Like I'm I'm getting exhausted just thinking about the movie again. Um, but no, I do, uh, yeah. I do have to say that I love that Lorraine Toussaint is in this movie. She played Almond Joy. Yeah. And the more people will know her. She's from season two of Orange is the New Black. She played the, the villain that, in the, that season. And she also plays the voice of Shadow Weaver on the Netflix She-Ra and the Princess of Power um, show. So uh, shout out to my girl Lorraine Toussaint. She's amazing. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you were in this movie, Lorraine, but... Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how sorry we are. I mean, like, I don't know. It was a zany movie. It was a zany it was, movie. It was, yeah. Yeah, before her time. And they had, uh, you know, they have... And that's the thing is, like, even though the characters are half-assed, I feel like they do have somewhat of a moment, like, their moments here and there, you well, know? Well, and I would say, like, they're... I mean, they're, they were good with, like, the the characterizations mm -hmm. across the board like like they it, it was clear that they had a specific idea of how they want everybody to bounce off each other like sort right. of like the you know you you like the relationship between Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello mm -hmm. and um and 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 the interplay between the agents like i get, like i like that stuff was clear mm -hmm. that like they 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 were very clear about uh, 
Yeah, about, about, about like, giving everything, like, a very specific shape to it. It was just that, like, when it came to, like, the actual characters, the actual people behind it, like, yeah, it was a little... It just, it, it all felt more arbitrary and, like, yeah, we want the thing because we want the thing. Right. And Bruce Willis is here because we made him come here. Like, like even... Even in the very beginning of the movie when he first gets out of prison and then he's back in their old pub and uh, and the mafia, he has that run in with the mafia guys. Yeah, almost. the Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah, and, and they have that little scuffle. Um, and then all of a sudden he's doing the job yeah. because apparently that discussion was hammering it home that he has to do the job for no other reason, right. even though, like, Daddy Aiello fucking beat the shit out of the guy right. and sent them packing. So I'm just like, yeah. So the, they didn't do as good of a job. Like, like there was no sense of, like, there's no real sense of stakes. Yeah, there are no at any stakes. Point. There's, no, there's no point where, like, where they either make a credible threat on his life, nor do they, like, you know, make a credible threat on anybody else mm -hmm. or any other thing that's actually important to him. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's all very silly. Yeah. It's very, all very... Very silly. Very, very silly. And very speaking, Monty Python silly. <laughs> oh, yeah, but not smart like Monty but without, Python. Yeah, but without the deeper... Yeah. Um, so, speaking of silliness, here comes question number three. What classic TV show is the Pope watching? Is Harry the Horse a show? <laughs> I, I he have saw no idea. he saw a show, <laughs> or he saw there was a horse on his TV. That's all I remember. And the horse, the horse said, Wilbur. I don't know that that show is. It's uh, it's called Mr. Ed. Okay, I don't. I wow. don't. I don't know Mr. You're Ed. You're unaware at all. of Mr. Ed. I'm completely unaware of Mr. Ed. Mr. Yeah. Ed is a classic black and white TV show where Mr. Ed the horse can speak, and his owner is called Wilbur. Wilbur. Oh, well, now I know. Yeah. Yeah. Now no, you know. Just, just lost that. And one. they made Mr. Ed the way that he they they um, made him appear to be speaking is that they would give the horse peanut butter. Oh yeah, so he'd do like so the, he would do with the mouth, and then yeah. they would record that, and then dub the voiceover. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I, I I mean I'm, and and I think horses like peanut butter. I should have put that question five, man. Apparently, yeah, no, I mean because I don't think you're you're gonna miss the next one. We'll see. We will see. I thought that was easy. I thought everyone knew Mister Ed. Oh no, dude! But I, I do mean, like uh, what was it? Harris the horse? Or what was it? Did you say Harry? Harry? I said Harry the horse. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. There what is a that Bojack is. Horseman though. Bojack Horse. Yeah, and he definitely. references Mister Ed in Bojack also. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you missed that one, but let's see what, if, if you can redeem we'll yourself with the know. rest of the I, quiz. I, I, I'm not enthusiastic. But Here's let's the question do it. that you're waiting for. Question number four. According to Eddie Hawkins, our intrepid hero, where does the nickname Hudson Hawk come from? Um, because of the hawk tattoo that he has on his shoulder because of his name Hawkins uh, and the fact that he's from New Jersey right off the Hudson River. Is that what you were going for? He mentioned something about the name of the word Hudson meaning breezy something, but I, I missed the other parts. You're very close. Yeah. You're very close. All right, give me the full answer. Okay, so you're right on the New Jersey thing. He was born in Hoboken on the Hudson. Yeah. Um, but the hawk references the cold winter wind that comes off the river. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, that's, that's called that. the hawk. I see. Okay, cool. There now, we go. Did you ever know about a cold winter wind coming up the Hudson that's known as the hawk? No. There's a reason for that. They made that up. They made that up. They now, completely made that up. <laughs> there is a cold winter wind that comes off of Lake Michigan into Chicago that's known as the Hawk. And Robert Kraft, who co-wrote the movie with Bruce Willis, is from Chicago. Okay. And in fact, so Robert Kraft, he's not a writer either. Um, he's a musician. Uh, and there's a story about how he and Bruce Willis met up, and they actually met at a blues club in Chicago where uh, Robert Kraft attended and he was noticing this harmonica player was really good and it turned out that the harmonica player was Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis can play the harmonica really well. And uh, they became friends and they came up with this story and wrote this story together. Now, since this movie, this is like the first movie and only movie that both of them have written. So, Robert Hawk and Bruce Willis, they wrote the story. That, so they wrote the story together and they put that Hawk thing in. That, that comes from Robert Kraft's experiences. But in, in Chicago, Chicago, not. Right. I mean, you, that strikes me as so specifically odd that... Well, I just... It, it strikes me so odd that, like, somebody who's, like, from Chicago mm-hmm. would specifically lift this... Thing that's specifically part of like you know Michigan right. life and 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 would and and would then be like oh yeah well you know it takes place you you know it starts in New York mm-hmm. but but it's fine we'll just take the exact same thing and lift it we're not even gonna like change it a little bit it gets bit cold in new york like right that. like yeah there, there the hudson's a river there must be a win- a, a cold winter breeze that yeah but like, the crazy thing is that there are there are hawks in this area so you could have just said that yeah it's named after the hawks in the area yeah the the, the hoboken hawks or, right, so, or something like, yeah so They're, yeah it's just so weird that they would specifically take that thing that's so specific to to one area right. and be like, oh yeah, we're just gonna copy that over for this area. Yeah. So um, another silly choice. <laughs> really funny. So All right. uh, so yeah, missing the two questions that I clearly should have gotten. Yeah. So you got half of that one though. Half so. of that one, I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so here comes question number five. Here we go. Uh, now I thought that this was like the hardest one, but I it wasn't. It's not really a hard question. I just thought that maybe this is like the hardest to actually get right because it's like you have to know the titles of this. But maybe you'll know since we'll you're see. a music guy. We'll we'll see. So oh no. So the title. So the, the question is, what two songs do Hawk and Tommy sing in the movie? Okay, uh, the one that they sing towards the end of the movie is um, side by side. Correct. God. Oh, what was the? Oh, God, what was the one they say for the bank heist? Oh. oh shit! Oh, I was just too blown away by the fact that they were literally going to do that. Right? Like that you was didn't the believe thing. I was me. Like, Wait, they're really gonna do this? Um, I told you about it. Yeah. Yeah, you told me about it, and I was like, okay, yeah, they're going to do something involving songs in a bank, but I didn't realize you meant, like, they're literally going to time out the whole fucking heist to a fucking song that they're both singing together at the same time. Um, It's really cute. It's really funny. Like, I like that idea. That's actually a really funny idea, Mm -hmm. and and a brilliant, like, it's a brilliant flip on the 
you know, on the whole need for heists to have coordinated right. timelines and stuff like that. So, so I actually really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so fucking goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get. I. I yeah, the, the first one's not coming to me, though. So, side by side for half credit. Uh, you got that right. The other one was, would you like to swing on a star? Oh, yeah. Would Carry moonbeams home in a jar. <laughs> it's a great I, song. I, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have remembered that title, though. That's a very, that's a very busy title. Like, I, do, the, I do think it's a cute idea, the whole uh, the heist uh, yeah. song thing. But, however, I feel like it's... It doesn't really work either time, right? Because they run out of song and they're still in the middle well, of it. Well, y- yeah, so there is that. The <laughs> fact that they run out of time and uh, for comedic effect. Right. But also the other thing about it is that the, I I would have been a little more interested in that idea if they went a little further with it that, like, there were, like, multi-layered steps that they had to do that each line up to, like, specific parts right. of the song. Yeah. Like, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. To like see how like yeah like they're they're both singing at the same time and then you know the set the first verse ends by mm-hmm. which point the the safe gets popped or something mm-hmm. like that like like that would have been a, a nice way to sort of carry that a little further and make that more of yeah. a you know a, a a nice little sort of twist on it was the, literally just them singing at the same time yeah they just both sing of, yeah. and then yeah yeah it was more it was more about them both singing it yeah. while the thing was happening so. <laughs> It, silly. It's silly. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I keep going back. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's that. It's that. Uh, that general from. Uh, and now for something completely different. Who's right. like, stop that! Stop that singing! It's silly. It's silly. So, yeah. So okay. So you. It looks like you actually kind of need the bonus questions here. I do. You don't really have. I bragging do. Rights I, I, got, I got the two half credits, so it's four points, right? All together, three points, right? Because you've missed. You got two. Oh, you're right. Yeah, three. Mm-hmm. Math is my strength. <laughs> well, you're in luck because I have two bonus questions this time. Fuck yeah. Let's okay. do it. Question number one. I'm going to start you off with the hardest one. Yeah. James Coburn in this movie, he, he plays a character whose name is George Kaplan. And the question is, which Alfred Hitchcock classic also, also features a character whose name is George Kaplan? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um... I'm going to go with the obvious choice and say to catch a thief. That is not correct, although that is the obvious choice because there's a cat burglar in that. Exactly, yeah. Um, But it's another Cary Grant movie. It's uh, North by Northwest. Ah, North by Northwest. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't choose a character name from Catch the Thief. It made, would have made more sense. Yeah, or maybe I guess uh, more to do with him being in it. Is that what it was? Wait, because was he in it or no? James Coburn was oh, not no, in he it. Was, oh no, James Coburn wasn't in it. No, he okay. wasn't. No, okay. In fact, if you're gonna go that way, then pick a character name from Charade because yes, uh, James Coburn that was, was in it. The thing I was thinking of throughout <laughs> this movie, I was like, oh, it's uh, it's Tex. I, yeah, just text from. Ah, uh, oh, I I have to say, like the it, it, Texas jackass scene right. is so good. You yellow belly jackass, mm-hmm. such a good fucking scene. No, James I love Coburn Shrey. is great. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, so James Coburn he plays Flint in the in like Flint movies. Uh, okay. And and those are like swinging spy movies from the sixties that the Austin Powers movies kind of like homage, you know. And the funny thing is that the phone in the Flint movies. 
has a very distinctive ring tone, and it's the same ring tone that's used in this movie for the handcuffs that they yes, use for when, Bruce Willis's character. And and they do use that effect in the Austin Powers movie, too. Yeah, they do. I, 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 right. re- I recognized it from that, right. so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So so there's a connection there. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, There's a lot of love in this movie, and mm-hmm. I would imagine that it's probably packed with like tons of references. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so busy. It's just such a busy movie. Um, okay, cool. So, so here comes the one. here comes the next bonus question. Yeah, this is the easy one. Yes. Now Bruce Willis says when in his encounter with the Mario Brothers, uh, which is a, a Nintendo reference. Oh, there we go. <laughs> See, I didn't even make that connection. Oh, okay, cool. Because they do talk about Nintendo quite a bit in the movie. Shame on me. Um, anyways, the uh, Mario but Brothers. during his first encounter with the Mario Brothers at the bar. Bruce Willis says, directions even your brother can understand. That's the the quote that he says. Now, he's talking to co-star Frank Stallone, who plays Cesar Mario. In the script, this jab is directed at the character of Anthony Mario, who's right next to him, but it also doubles as an off-screen jab at Frank Stallone's real-life brother, Sylvester Stallone. Directions even your brother can understand. Oh, okay. Um, so there is a connection also between Bruce Willis and Sylvester Stallone because they ended up actually appearing in two films together. So my question is, which two films have Sylvester Stallone and Bruce Willis appeared together? Ooh. Are, are, are we talking about these are... Are, are we talking specifically about movies that they were in prior to this movie? Getting no, it's made, a, it was after this. Oh, movie. Okay, cool. After that. Okay. Yeah, way after. Okay. Um, and these are pretty obvious choices, I would say. In fact, they're both part of the same series. I'll give you that. Okay, one. cool. So then, um, <laughs> yeah, the Expendables. He's got to pick which ones. Fuck. Because <laughs> they were only in two of them. <laughs> Two and three. It was one and two. Fuck! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> had a 50 no! 50 shot. 50 no! 50 shot. Okay, fine. Or I guess a third shot because you could have picked one and three also. Uh, yeah, I could have. But uh, yeah, one and two. And know. they famously did not get along, the, both of them. So I don't know. Maybe the jab was, you know. A little pointed. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was written in the stars. <laughs> what is it written in the stars? Are we paying for some crime? Oh, that's hey, we're not doing. We're not doing a heist right now. <laughs> Nothing we're stealing yet. All right, we're gonna discuss this movie now. When we did Blood Rain, I had a special segment for Blood Rain called "What is up with this movie?" We're gonna resurrect resurrect that for this movie. Yes, we should. <laughs> what is up with this movie? <laughs> what is up with the Vatican spies? Um, <laughs> though perhaps not without precedent considering um uh i know that you were recently uh re-familiarizing yourself with the robert the langdon code, yeah. films and and i know angels and demons specifically mm-hmm. deals with a lot of political intrigue at the vatican oh there's a and, ton of it and but it and wasn't like, like that <laughs> yeah but but yeah the whole spy agency angle 
Um, the, the glowing crucifix that was like the yes. intercom. Oh my god, what? <laughs> the nun who's a spy, but she's using sex as a weapon. Yeah, that. That's... And as you pointed out, she can't shoot a gun, even though she, that's literally her job. Yeah, like she yeah. carries a gun with her. Why would you give her a gun if she doesn't know how to shoot? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that is true. That is true. What is up with this movie? What is up with this movie? Who are the bad guys? The yeah, like <laughs> they are just. Well, uh, firstly, who is it? The is it the CIA or is it the the the? I can't keep track the, of the bad yeah, guys. I keep going back and forth on that too because also it's like, wait, are the CIA stinging them? Right. No, they're not. No. So but, yeah, those those double crosses. And the Vatican is in on it, but then they're not. And Hudson yeah. Hawk is in on it, but then he's not. And I don't understand. Yeah, it was all real busy. It was all real busy. Plus the fact that you know the 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 folks who are unambiguously the bad guys, right. the two like. Like billionaires yeah. or whatever were just so fucking extra buffoons. Um, it was it was wild. It was wild to see them and all of their antics play out. What is up with this movie? Why can't Eddie get a cup of fucking coffee? That's like the easiest thing to get. His cappuccino <laughs> foam ratio <laughs> needs. <laughs> Are not being met at all in this movie. That's such a weird running joke to have. Because I'm like, it, yeah, it's a very silly running joke. And I knew, and I knew from the moment that a silenced pistol shoots his second right. cup of cappuccino out of his hand, mm-hmm. not ten minutes into the yeah. movie, I was like, this is gonna be a thing. Yep, this is gonna be a thing. In fact, that's how we end the movie. That's the the end of the movie as he finally got his cup of coffee. Yeah, and then the narrator says he got yep. his cup of coffee and. I was like, great. Yeah. I guess that's the movie being. You forget over. And that, he, that it had a narrator until the end. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of emblematic of like the film's relationship with stakes right. too. Like that, the the highest stakes thing is, is his journey for the perfect cup of cappuccino, which he finally got in Italy. He did. What is up with this movie, Bunny Ball Ball? Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, that's like oh. the most bizarre thing in this movie, I think, is is the is the, the, dog. the dog. Yeah, the dog. <laughs> I will say I I uh, I respect the stones on this movie for being willing to dispatch the dog at the end. Yeah, you never kill the dog in movies, but, but deserve they it. but they they fucking went for it. And I was and I was proud of them that they they that, that took guts. That took courage. I admire I that. mean, Bunny was also like molesting Bruce Willis, and <laughs> that, yeah, that scene, that scene in the boardroom was, uh, it was something else. It was really something else. What is up with this movie? Um, actor Richard E. Grant, who played Darwin, uh, he devoted an entire chapter of his book with nails, the film diaries of Richard E. Grant, to covering this movie's chaotic production. He said that the movie was filmed in an ad hoc manner that things were pretty much figured out as they were filming. And um, and that you can pretty much see that energy in the movie, it, I think. It feels that, yeah, it really does feel that way. Just be, just with how chaotic everything mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a hard time buying that. Again, it's like they they, for the most part, pretty much do clearly communicate everything that needs to be communicated, 
like, or at least enough is communicated that you're able to just follow along. I with mean, the sometimes zaniness. they just blatantly speak exposition, like the scene, the confession scene between Anna and, and the priest. Exactly. That was all just exposition. And it yeah. was really clunky. But I'm like, I guess we needed that. I don't know. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> like they're yeah, they are keeping us apace. Right. As as needed. But like, yeah, it's it's all very. Yeah, it's it's clunk. It's clunk. It's a lot of clunk. When film critic Mark Kermode met Richard E. Grant, Kermode told Grant that he was actually one of the few people who liked the film. And Grant responded, quote, It was a stinking pile of steaming hot donkey droppings, and you are an idiot. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, wait, Richard E. Grant was... Uh, Darwin May... May yeah, I don't. I fucking watched this movie twice, and I still don't remember the name. Oh, the Mayflower. The, oh, the 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 male bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Darwin Mayflower. Okay. Cool. And Richard E. Grant is a great actor. I he love is. him. He's really great. Yeah, I recognize the face, so I didn't realize the name. Um, in but, fact, there's a bunch of great actors in this movie, but yeah, it's a great cast. <laughs> right. They're just like. It's so weird that they're in this movie. Wow, that's really funny. Ugh. I mean. I don't know. Be a little more gracious, my dude. Like, if if a fucking critic is telling you that like they admired your, film, I don't think he was being serious though. That's well, Richard, if I mean it's Richard maybe, E. Grant, you know. I bet he was, he was being catty. I'm sure. Okay, cool. That's fair. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. I'm just saying. I'm it just is saying, hilarious. I, I'd, I'd appreciate a kind word about a film I knew was terrible. I would appreciate. But it. speaking of what you were talking about, one of the things about this movie that really rubs me the wrong way, and I think actually hurts it is because usually when we think about like a silly movie you know you want there to be some level of like optimism especially because it's a comedy but i really feel like for example airplane which you talked about you know has the same number of like gags a minute but there's like this really earnestness in the comedy but this movie i feel chooses to be really mean-spirited with the silliness yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I would say yeah. It's it's definitely a pretty mean spirited film. I mean, it's it's weird because it does have this kind of light sort of you know like charmed film quality mm-hmm. to it, especially with like some of the score choices they do, right. like the music that's playing when they're gliding out at yeah. uh, out of the castle as it explodes. Like Very like idyllic. that's that's a real like you know rated PG family right. adventure type yeah. deal. So. Yeah, it's 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 a weird mix. It's a weird mix of tones and influences, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't fault a comedy for being mean spirited, um, even a goofy film for being mean spirited. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, this one was definitely uh, yeah. I think it, it took it a little bit too far. Yeah. Well, because even even like a fish called Wanda certainly had its its fair share of mean spiritedness. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but also at the same but it's time. Clever. <laughs> but 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 also at the same time, a it's clever. A it's mm-hmm. much more clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and B also you're still wholly interested in the characters. Right, and you're it's still rooted in the character in, work. You're, yeah, you're invested in their needs, and and so that that you know, yeah, that that keeps you engaged mm-hmm. in in a very positive way. Anyway, so let's go into the first of our GSV segments. This one's called shot 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 shots. Now, even though it is a really cartoony, silly movie, there is a lot of gratuitous violence in this movie. Yeah. How many deaths do you think? Ooh, that's a really difficult question. 
I'm gonna say, uh, I don't know, ten. Mm. You're you're at halfway. Twenty. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Twenty-two deaths. You know, I mean, I have to say the goofiness of the violence kind of fucks me up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to, cause, cause, yeah, again, it's like very low stakes, right. and and it's all over the place. Yeah, so. it's cartoony, but but really bloody at the same time. Yeah, yeah. There's like definitely. necks being sliced off. Yes, that's true. And um, arrows being shot into people. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of gruesomeness in this movie. What are some other like memorable deaths in this? Film? Yeah, the yeah the throat getting chopped. Um, uh, the not so much a death because uh, they they keep going for a bit. But uh, I'm I'm very fond of uh, all the syringes in the hospital <laughs> in the in the ambulance. Yeah, the Mario um, Brothers getting into getting one it. of the Mario Brothers' face. Uh, that one was great. Um, uh, I liked that it took, it took four arrows to kill Butterfinger. Um, <laughs> oh, Butterfinger. Oh, Butterfinger with his, you know, first grade reading level. Um, uh, what is up with this movie? Um, exactly. Uh, let's see. What else? The, uh, the syringe scene that you, that you pointed out, um, that actually is the lead into the most ambitious stunt scene in the film. Uh, yeah, that chase was great mm-hmm. overall. I I like actually was really I was really really on board with the movie during that chase. Mm-hmm. I thought like, okay, this is wild, this is ridiculous. Right. It it is not real, but like, man, if they aren't gonna you know do a somewhat competently shot, you know, yeah, they were at least like committing to, to the silliness of it. I yeah. think. Um. So that scene was actually filmed at the Brooklyn Bridge for five nights. And it was filmed from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. The filmmakers created their own rush hour with uh, uh, Bruce Willis weaving in and out of the treacherous but painstakingly choreographed traffic in the out-of-control hospital gurney, which was motorized and controllable, not actually free-willing. So he he didn't have to control it with his own body. Now, despite the late hours of the filming, um, as well as the location for the Brooklyn Bridge, which is not the easiest to get to... Um, hundreds of New Yorkers strolled the walkway in order to get a glimpse of the action. And Bruce Willis um, appeared on the local news uh, later on to thank New Yorkers for their interest, cooperation, and patience during filming. Nice. Mm-hmm. Rock on. Rock now, on. the only thing that's different from the filming, uh, like the actual location and the film location, or the, uh, the way that it plays out, is that the actual Brooklyn Bridge doesn't have a toll booth. So that's the oh, only part of enough, the, of the sequence that's not true to form. Ah, uh, well, uh, ruined ruined the movie for me as a resident of the city for as many years as I've been. Uh, I've Except never been, change. never been, yeah, never been so insulted. Um, uh, I also uh, did have fun with the, or I, I really enjoyed the paralysis darts yeah. scene. That was uh, that was a. A whole a whole hunk of laughs there. The, the best scenes in the movie are really the ones with uh, with Bruce and Danny Aiello. I think. Yeah, they they both play off each other mm-hmm. really well. Um, again, and they were good friends before this. So yeah, yeah. I think like um, some of their repartee happens so fast that mm-hmm. like it takes me a while to figure out what they're talking about. Right. Um, like like it took me maybe. I don't know. It wasn't until I think like they mentioned like the seventh or eighth song that I realized that when they were doing the like the lengths of time uh-huh. and songs thing that that's what they were doing. Right. Just like pairing up ta- songs with 
periods of time. Right. So so like yeah, the some of some of the some of how they captured that that dialogue or how that dialogue was written, it it, it goes by so it's fast. Very clunky. That it's, no, it's, I agree. It's tough to absorb all of it. But um yeah, they had great, great chemistry throughout mm-hmm. it. Um yeah. And uh, speaking of chemistry, so you were talking about the paralysis, but there's also a scene earlier on where Hawk is drugged by Anna. Yes. <laughs> one of his cappuccino foam. Now, Anna says that she gives Hawk ethyl chloride in his cappuccino, but actually ethyl chloride is used as a pain reliever, not a sedative. It's oh, a little point. Interesting. And speaking of Anna, let's go into our next segment. This one's called Boob Tube. Because Anna, the nun, is our main female character in this movie, played by the wonderful Andy McDowell, who we know and love from such classic films as Four Weddings and a Funeral and Groundhog Day. She's great in Groundhog Day. I actually really dig her a lot. She's a good actress, and uh, she plays comedy really well. Um, however... I don't know about this movie though. <laughs> this well, I think I think or I think we uh, she I think probably um got got the short end of the stick in terms of characterization yeah. and character development. Yeah. Um I think that uh like I said all the characters across the board are pretty underbaked mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, personal motivations and stuff like that. And and hers was the most so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think her performance was great. I think it was clear that she was having a lot of fun right. with it. And um, and and she did, I think, have pretty good chemistry with Bruce Willis right. in the movie. Um, and and vice versa. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. I thought I thought her performance was great. I think it was. I think it was more in the writing than anything. Um. That for for why her character maybe didn't pop as much. Um. Yeah. And also, again, it's like it's just such a weird choice to be like you're a spy for the Vatican mm-hmm. who is also a sister, and so you are actively, you know, using sex as a weapon, right. as you mentioned, but at the same time cannot have sex. And yeah. it's just like, boy, what, a, you know, like, don't, don't, you know, yeah, don't tie your hands when you're trying to do a tough job, I guess. Like, right. It's for, it's for the greater cause, right? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, yeah. So, now, uh, but is, again, that's, that's the level this movie is operating Now, there on, is though. no nudity in the movie, but we do have um, a lot of sexiness in the movie. They don't actually consummate, but there is like a, a chasing they, and uh, flirtation thing. What did you, how did you think of that all was handled? Like, uh, did you see any anything weird in the way that Bruce Willis was pursuing her or anything weird in the fact that, that she's a nun and she has to be in these compromising situations? Uh, I mean, I think... As far as Bruce Willis's pursuit of her, it wasn't—I don't know. It was—it was persistent. It was persistent, but it wasn't the worst that I'd seen. Given that she did seem to be showing, still expressing interest and right. affection yeah. towards him throughout mm-hmm. the film, so so she kisses like, him first. Let's be honest. What she kisses him first. To yeah, be honest, yeah. So for saving her life. Yeah, there. Well, yeah, there's like there's that there's that moment for yeah for sure. Um, so so yeah, I not mean, that I, that I'm not saying that he did that he deserves anything. Well, no, 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 exactly. I'm no, just no, saying no, that no, she she expressed interest. Oh in no, him. no, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, I know what you were saying. There. No, 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 just like yeah, that yeah, 
Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the fact is that I think that like, yeah, she she establishes boundaries throughout she the does, film yeah. as he like, you know, pursues and her. And he's fairly respectful. And, he, and yeah, he basically, yeah, he does respect her boundaries. Like there isn't ever a point. Yeah, there was never a point in the film where it felt like he was he was pushing her like mm-hmm. she, you know, in the moments that she tells him, no, he he takes the no. So, yeah, I think that 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 struck me as. Yeah, that struck me as somewhat fine. I mean, I think when we're talking about like in in a more real life situation, mm-hmm. it's like if someone tells you no, then you shouldn't keep asking like that. Right. Like, I, I do think that that is a more real problem, like in the real world. I think for like the purposes of this film's specific narrative and the fact that like there is it is clear that there is a romantic attraction that's happening between them and she is expressing that interest to him and that interest is genuine um so yeah i think i think that they navigated that as 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 well as could be expected in the early 90s now there are a ton of like story this is a little straying obviously from the world of the film but kind of like jumping off of what you're what you're saying which is a good point and um you know how about like like in in real life, when you when you respect someone and they tell you no, then you should drop it. You know, be respectful yeah. of them. However, there are a lot, a lot of stories that you hear from. Like um, my parents are, are an example of this, where you know my dad pursued my mom not to an unrelenting degree, but she kept saying no until one day she was like, "Okay, let's date," and now they're married. There are a lot of stories like that. So I I wonder if there's like a, like a happy medium to the pursuit. Like maybe it's not about the asking but just like how you do it like there's a way to do it in an uncomfortable way i i mean in an unrelenting way like if you obviously if you're asking like every five minutes and that's harassment yeah yeah i mean honestly i I haven't answered that question successfully (laughs) myself i i i for for myself i usually tend to kind of you know (laughs) <laughs> uh, and and maybe because I don't read signals that well or whatever, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I've always kind of yeah, I've always kind of been of the mindset of like, hey, you know, if you if you feel like there's an attraction, you can you know see you know ask, see what happens. Um, but uh, if the answer is no, then that's that. And yeah. and and beyond that, like you you've expressed your interest, and if they're and if they you know if if it if they're if there's a perceivable change in the dynamic mm-hmm. or it seems that they are somehow expressing interest back to you, then, yeah, I don't know. I think every situation's different. I think you just, you have to, yeah, you have, and, and, and I think what's also really important is that I think, you know, there's, you, it's, it's not just enough to only be persistent. It's right. that you have to, you have to have some level of interpersonal sensitivity. Like yeah. you have to, you have to actually be able to like key into somebody's body language and 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 like not that whole bullshit. Oh, girls are so difficult to read. Right. Thing that most men, you know, actually do the work. Guys, it's like no, know? actually, they maybe are not that difficult they're to not, read. Really. Maybe they they're are human not beings. In, they're maybe just not into you, <laughs> right. and you should just not be reading into everything. So I think like you know, you just you have to. You have to just, you know, be sensitive to that. And, and, like, and that is difficult. And, you know, different people are better or worse at it than other people. I do feel but. like, you know, there's a, there's a level of persistence that we're taught in society that is a positive trait. Like, obviously, like, if you want... They, we, we are, we're taught as kids, like, if you want something, you have to, you know, fight for it, work for it. Like, like a job or, 
you know, owning something, you know, what anything that you want. Yeah. You, you can't just like expect it to be handed to you. You have to work for it. But I don't think that anyone has a problem. Let, let's use the job example. Like, you know, if you ha- if you apply for a job and you're persistent in like following up on it, for example, like yeah. emails and stuff, no one has a problem not being creepy and harassing in that scenario. But for some reason, when it goes to dating, like persistence, a lot of people take it to be, oh, I have to be creepy and harassing. Well, and well, and also because the other thing is that a, a relationship is not a job. It's yeah. not it's not a fucking reward for being the best, coolest guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is it is about mutual interest. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing is that I and I think that's where that's where toxic attitudes around how to pursue um, partners that you're interested in um are are become fraught is mm-hmm. when you have this is is when you're you know having this mentality about it that is less actually about the person it's about and, is, and is and it's more about yeah your i yeah this idea that you have that you know you're you're good enough for that you deserve the thing or that you know you're or that you know you're of comparable levels of hotness and whatever. This is a this is a different movie, but it's a good example of what you're talking about. It's uh, the the Back to the Future movies. The first one's what I'm talking about specifically, where Biff is unrelenting in his pursuit um, of Leah Thompson's character, whose name escapes me right now. But yeah. um, but he's doing it in a very creepy way. She's obviously not interested and tells him to leave her alone. Yeah, and and yet he continually, you know, harasses her and tries to like touches her inappropriately and tries to get her to like yeah. go to the dance with him, and then you have like the George McFly character, and there is a lot of problematic stuff there too, but his persistence is is not is definitely not on the same level at all. Yeah, yeah that that one is a little fraught considering he was a, a peeping, peeping tom. tom That's what I'm early. saying. Like, like so so yeah, we don't want to reward that either. We, we don't definitely don't. But in um, the, but in the context of the movie, yeah. <laughs> like Biff, like Biff is the type is like yeah that persistence is. Is really negative, but in this movie, like Bruce Willis's persistence is not like he does take well, the hint. Well, well, and I think yeah, it's it it seems uh, at least just from this first watch that like yeah, in in, in their dynamic that there is there is there is a give and take, mm-hmm. and there is there are you know just kind of regular expressions of you know amiability and right. affection towards each other. So I think like that it, it it makes more sense in that context. And again, I could probably watch it again and and maybe there are one or two points where I'd be like, eh, maybe maybe you maybe you are actually pushing on those boundaries a little too hard. Right. Like there there were one or two moments maybe where I was like that, but overall I didn't see anything that was particularly troubling um i i would say for instance this is you know one of the most iconic romances in my favorite film in one of my favorite films ever but like uh, the the relationship between han and leia and empire strikes back was a little right. more pushy i thought than than what i saw in he this. is very persistent he's very he's yeah. very persistent and very and very pushy in a way that even i'm not sure mm-hmm. holds up necessarily so so yeah i think this this movie didn't <laughs> didn't result in that, that same right. reaction as as that, which again pains me to say for what a perfect film Empire Strikes right. Back is. Um, so yeah, yeah, I do think that the character um, of Anna would have benefited from being more rounded out, like we were saying. And I actually, yeah. I actually wish that they had made her more competent as well. I thought that making her a badass would have been a better choice than making her incompetent at the end, because I feel like. 
I don't know. Like, I, I yeah, whenever I was, Bruce Willis is like fighting his way out of the situations and he literally has to like bail her out every single time. That seems a little tiresome to me. I, I feel like yeah. that was like really not imaginative at all. Yeah, that was a little old hat for mm-hmm. sure. Um, oh, I mean, she does. She does actually get her way out of the the first time. She of, saves herself. Well, yeah, she does save herself. Yeah, during that final encounter. Um, and so, so yeah, it's it's there. Um, but she doesn't know how to shoot. But yeah, she yeah, the even, fact that she, she can't even with him, the dog. Yeah, that she. Yeah, that she hits him twice. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, just you know, a little more rounding out, uh, and and also just like a little more of like what is her actual interest? Like for instance, like the fact that she is a sister. Um, like I don't know. Like maybe just a, a little something about like how how important to her is faith actually, right. and she like kind of seems to like and let go of it pretty easily. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like at the end of the film, it was like, well, okay, it sounds sounds like there's actually a big elephant in the room for yeah. if you guys want to continue this because you did take like, vows, sister. You, you you do clearly care about each other, right. but also you have taken vows and you are a spy for the Vatican. So clearly, Christianity. Um, and or Catholicism clearly specifically means something very right. significant to yeah. you. So um, and and again, I have my own issues with Catholicism's views on sexuality as a whole. Anyway, oh yeah, absolutely. But like you know, if if you know, like yeah, like the, that it, that would have added a little more nuance to the film to just be like, well, what does she actually like? What does her faith actually? Does mean that to feed her? into the whole like male fantasy thing? Do you think of like you know, there's the male fantasy of like the turning of like the, like a you, I'm so hot and virile that even if you're a lesbian, I will turn you. And yeah. does that apply to like nuns? Sort of like you know, there's a male fantasy there uh, aspect in this movie. I I mean. <sighs> No, knowing 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 the nature of male fantasy and its emphasis on conquering the the hitherto unconquered, like yeah, I'm sure that that absolutely is a thing, and 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 maybe and that undercurrent may in fact be what's fueling the 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 writing choices behind her in this as well. Right, I right. mean, you know, thank thank goodness most of his you know. Uh, you know, attempts to seduce her in the movie aren't while she is like in her habit, for instance, right? Because that maybe would have been a little more explicit. That like, <laughs> yeah. okay, we're clearly just uh, pushing up on this fantasy. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, uh, and, and maybe that is part of it. So the other main female character in the movie is, of course, played by Sandra Bernhard, um, who's a fairly decent comedic actress. I enjoy her in her work. The, a the lot. other Mayflower. She right? was Minerva Mayflower. Um, so what did you think about her as a character? I mean, she was fun. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, uh, I just, uh, I, I, I thought, I thought the Mayflowers were a ton of fun, actually. Uh-huh. Like as villains, like they, they, they were great. They're cartoons. They were, they were cartoons. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, oh, we're going to dominate the world by using an influx of gold to collapse the economy. <laughs> Doesn't make any sure, sense. Sure, I guess. <laughs> like, isn't that basically like Auric gold? Goldfinger's plot in Goldfinger, except it's to like to co- contaminate the gold, so that his is the only one that has exactly. Value. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was more about uh, yeah, yeah, increasing his own gold's value by by taking more gold out of mm-hmm. out of circulation. But um, yeah, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and when again, it's like the 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 fact that this film is is goofy spy fiction, like mm-hmm. so it does hearken to that James Bond thing. Yeah, like right. it like there is actually a lot of Bond in this, mm-hmm. um, without without directly referencing, but like yeah, it's it's that kind of outlandish plot and and that sort of like and even with like our hero who like gets captured and drugged like right time after yeah. time after time and the double and, crosses and, and and is back and is back you know in someone else's clutches where they send him to do another task and what a double um, crossbow yeah that was a that was a great pun i was i was a big <laughs> fan of that pun um uh, and his his draw you you dry british bastard or whatever she whatever said whatever she said yeah oh she God. i mean her Sandra bernhardt i think like she like again she's a gifted comedic actress so i think like her delivery really sells it a lot because it is a very silly character and the lines that she was saying were really weird but um she committed to it yeah yeah there was definitely that commitment there and 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 the way she she played off of uh off of her companion as yeah. well like they they had great sort of chemistry they did have good chemistry that, that worked um so so yeah they were definitely they were definitely a strong part and she's definitely also had a few scenes where she was using like her body and sexuality for comedic <laughs> effects yeah very much so um which you know what you that's great yeah. too yeah it was good fun it was it was good fun all around let's go into the next and final gsb segment this one's called uh, that's problematic, problematic. What did you think was problematic? I have a couple of things here. Um, uh, persistent use of a uh, derogatory term to describe Italians. Um, uh, yes. Mul- multiple uses of, of the word. Uh, I, I don't know if we want to say the word on the podcast, but The guinea. G word, guinea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, guinea. I don't um, think it's a bad word, but it is derogatory. Yeah, your discretion on, on, on the editing, but... Um, but yeah, um, so uh, yeah, that couple of times from what I heard, of. Mo- multiple times, yeah, like yeah, it, and it, it was it Minerva had, who said it. <laughs> yeah, Minerva, I think, kind of said it the most um, in reference to Tommy. Yeah, um, I think there was also a very insensitive, I thought, Asian joke uh, with the security guards who were talking about the Wong numbers. Well, the, the, there was the Wong number pun, which, which is. <laughs> Is uh yeah, it's it's not not the greatest pun. Definitely definitely <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Um but but I think what 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 actually really rubbed me the wrong way about that joke more than that was that that pun was then flourished in the soundtrack with a yeah. with a sort of um Yeah, that that was like that that I think really sort of took that right deep way deeper into ugly town. Than it's like, it hi guys, Asian stuff is funny, right? Yeah, so that that wasn't that I didn't appreciate. Um, and 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 yeah, I think like you know you did kind of mention the mean spiritedness, but like yeah, there's just like many offhanded remarks throughout the film that are fairly like you know homophobic yeah. or uh, a lot or, of fat phobic or, or, or ableist or fat phobic. Um, so you know like. Yeah, it it is a pretty mean spirited movie, mm-hmm. and there's a fair amount of uh, yeah, there's a fair amount of um, yeah, just kind of general insensitivity. Um, you know, only only one black character in the whole film. Yeah. It's like you know, yeah, it's a really really yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty homogenous film at the end of the day with a very kind of homogenous worldview it's it's a very zany worldview like again like i i appreciate the zaniness of it but like yeah it's a little it's a little yeah now our, our, going back to the fat joke because that was really the one the one big thing that stuck out to me about how 
I don't know. It just every time there was a fat joke in the movie, I was I didn't I didn't think it was for our benefit. Like, I I can't imagine a world where, especially the way that they were using it in the movie. Uh, because it wasn't just with with Tommy, it wasn't just with Danny Aiello's character. Yeah. Like they were making fun of the security guard also for being yeah. fat, and, yeah. and Minerva also had some fat jokes. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't find them funny really because because they were just like you said, bottom of the barrel. They weren't really clever. But then also the way that it was used, I feel like in in the relationship between Tommy and Eddie. That was sort of supposed to be like a brotherly back and forth, like almost like brothers tease each other. But I feel like, you know, that's not really a loving thing to do. Like you could tease yeah. your, your, each other in a different way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I'm I'm a bigger guy myself. And like, you know, I've I've had friends call me big guy before mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and it's. It's something I know I don't like, right? And and I usually never necessarily called them on it because, like, you know, it's you know they're 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 a bigger fish to fry in, right. in my personal opinion. But that's just that's just me from my own personal experience, and mm-hmm. obviously, I think for for other people um, who you know who 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 like do experience that more, like, yeah, I think I think the world can afford to be a little more sensitive here and there. Um, but I do know that that's you know like. There, there is, there is that thing in like I think typically male friendships mm-hmm. of like you know busting each other's balls right. and and you know you you roast each other you roast each other all the time and so like within within that context of like a roasty you know predominantly male friendship. I don't know how many issues I have with that, especially if it's clear that there is trust between right, the two characters. Right. Um, the stuff beyond that, as far as like, yeah, the stuff with the guards and mm-hmm. whatnot and, and like physical comedy that specifically is about using their obesity to get a laugh. You know, yeah, it just it didn't make me laugh because yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm not 14 anymore. Like, right. So that's true. Yeah, so, teenagers and high people would really find it funny. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's yeah. It's I, interesting to me, like when so when I was a, a younger man in in college. Um, I mean, I, I still, he's still my friend, but back then we went to school together. I had a friend who was a, a big and tall gentleman. He wasn't just like you know a larger person. He was actually like a tall gentleman also. And yeah. uh, and um, I. It's funny that you mentioned like the big guy thing, like. That's what I used to refer to him as. You know, I'd be like, "Hey, big guy," you know, well, stuff it's like not, that. Yeah, because it's yeah, big guy is like a, a weird one for me, and and I never called anybody on it mm-hmm. because, like, it, yeah, it's not necessarily meant to be like it's not meant as an insult, and right. I and I always understood that. Right. It's like it's it was it's more one of those things that like for me, like. My size is something that, like, I'm just that I'm just personally sensitive about. So it's like any anything that reminds me of it is is what is is what like sets me off a little bit. I so, think that that's so, fair. So, so so when and and I think a part of that is just like being better about you know one's own body positivity, yeah. which like I will admit I'm I'm actually not that well read on like. You know the whole idea of body positivity, mm-hmm. for instance. That's actually yeah. That's just something I still haven't done that work mm-hmm. for myself on yet. So like, 
you know, yeah, like I, th- I think like, yeah, using using the word using the term big guy is is fairly, uh, you know, for, for me personally, you know, fairly innocuous because I, I know that, you know, nine times out of ten, it's it's not actually coming from a, you know, a, right. a particularly, you know. Now, in my case, case. my friend did yeah. call me out on it. He did um, because I would do it, you know, without thinking, like you said, innocuously. But yeah. I, but that's the thing I think with like most people's prejudices. Period. It's it's something that's so ingrained in like our society that like you yeah. know it's it's like being skinny comes with a privilege or being fitter. I'm not saying that I'm skinny, but being fitter comes with a privilege. Yeah, that you don't you 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 think of yourself as a neutral person. You know, like this is the neutral body type, so you don't think about things like you're saying like yeah. being like drawing how, attention, being reminded to. It. to it. It's like yeah. if you know if if you were a bald guy and someone was like, "Hey, cue ball every single time he saw you." You know, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, so my friend actually did call me out of it on it eventually. And he said, hey, I'm really sensitive about my image and I don't appreciate it you when you call me that. And until he said that, I literally had no idea that what I was doing was like hurting him every time, you know. Yeah. But but then my eyes were awake and I was like, wow, I, I'm so sorry that it happened, you know. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, when when you come to things like that, the mean spiritedness of these kind of jokes and not just, you know, we're using fat jokes because it was very prominent in this movie. Yeah. But period, any type of like racial jokes or ableism like we were talking about yeah like that's really what you have to think about it's like even if you do mean it in an innocuous way and in a teasing haha we're brothers kind of way yeah you really have to think about their point of view and it's like for you you're not you're not there in their life constantly reminding them of this fact but they are being constantly reminded of this fact yeah well and and, and that is that is the nature that is kind of like the nature of privilege um right. just just like among among all areas of discrimination right. is that is that it is invisible mm-hmm. it is it is something that for for those who enjoy privilege they're they're meant to remain ignorant right. of it and and so that's that that's that is the insidious nature yep. of it um and 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 yeah and that's something that i'm continually you know working on like a, a an example of that uh kind of back in the vein of ableism is which which is something that again is like completely invisible for me and that i and that i know is is a a, a particular linguistic habit that i have that I know this would take a lot of work for me to like cultivate the awareness to be more mindful of it mm-hmm. is like um saying the word insane like mm. oh that was an insane movie right. and uh, and I actually did have a friend who a couple weeks ago like when I just used the word insane like kind of in that context like sort of just kind of checked me on it and was like mm, pick a different word for that mm-hmm. and uh so that was just and 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 again it was just like a very a very quick check in and that was enough for me to be like oh good good fair play mm-hmm. so so i'm sure i've slipped on this podcast since then and done that but like yeah that's still something that it's like oh yeah i can i can be more aware of the fact that you know words have meanings yeah and 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 many meanings for many people and mental health i think like that's uh that's an issue where uh, because we lack this country and a lot of the world i think like is f- so far behind in in our mental health capacities you yeah. know that we it's almost like, you know, like we use things like, oh my God, that's crazy and blah, 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 blah. And in the context that we're using it, it's not like, you know, like the R word. It's not like we're 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 directly making fun of something or derising it using that word. Yeah. It's just that that word has become so neutralized by our society that applying those words to people is 
it, it, that's like to to use again the example facetiously that's the insanity you know like that's yeah. like the, we we use the word insane but we don't mean oh this this or that is actually off yeah. their mental capacity but 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 people who have mental problems we call them insane too yeah that's where the issue is like those the sensitivity yeah. has to be like both has to come both ways like we have to think about why words are important, not just in the context that we're using them, but in the context that they're used for people specifically. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. Well, and, and yeah, and that's the thing is like that's that's kind of what the idea of cultivating inclusive language is right. all about. It's the fact that like you 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 have you have you know you have habits about how you use language that that allows you to be able to. Just enjoy the company of more people, right? And yeah. and comfortably, and yeah. and and allows them to feel at ease around you, and mm-hmm. and 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 allows you to learn more from them. Um, so yeah, that's always a good thing. Now, during an interview when he was promoting uh, his time traveling movie Twelve Monkeys, which is a great movie. Ooh, yeah, another great Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, yeah. directed by Terry Gilliam, who's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Willis quipped that if he could travel. That he could, if he could really travel anywhere in time, he would go back to just before production began and stop himself from making this movie. So, final thoughts. We just watched Hudson Hawk. What do you think? Is it a bad movie? So, so movie, good movie, great movie. Where do you land? Firstly, I want to talk to Bruce Willis for a quick second. <laughs> if you're listening, Bruce. Uh, Bruce, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I want you to know that I personally am glad this movie exists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like I haven't seen another movie like it. Yeah. And like I think probably never will. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably <laughs> never will. And there are many specific reasons by it. And, and and you know, yeah, we went to town and breaking this movie down. Um, ultimately. I am going to give this one a bit of a so-so. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, so-so verging on good because oh. mm. ju- just barely verging on mm. good in the sense that, like, I think that I, I, I'm I a fan of the goofiness mm-hmm. and I'm a fan of goofies, like, real and, and really of just, like, genre films that really just kind of are willing to kind of go balls to the wall and just being as out there mm-hmm. as possible. And, and I think that... And, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and and I think that, like, uh, verging on good is for just the fact that I think that with a little more focus, mm. a little more attention to character, uh, and, and a little more attention and better planning, which yeah. is a lot. Right. That's a lot that's to a fix. Lot. That's a lot of shit to fix. That's very fundamental to its core. Right. But I think that, like, you know, just... just just if 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 a few of those earlier phases of production, they maybe just went into it with a little more mindfulness and and maybe a little more experience too. Since again, this is like it his first his first and only script, I guess. Right. Um, you know, it could have it could have landed with a little more power. Because uh, yeah, I I think like there is some like it's clear that the movie is going for something very specific. Mm-hmm. Is the thing like I think. It's, it's not Looney always Tunes. yeah. It's 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 not always clear what it is, but right. like just that 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 mix of like just uh, outlandishness and and larger than lifeness with like just you know uh, you know gritty crime story. Right. So I think like that's that's a cool that's a cool fun idea, and um, so uh, so yeah, I I was glad to watch this one. It was a lot of fun. 
I have often thought about if it's possible to have like a world where there is a good version of this movie. You know, like I have often thought about that because yeah. because there are things like the movie. It's not that the movie doesn't make me laugh. The movie does make me laugh. Is it for the right reasons? Maybe not. But it is an entertaining movie. Yeah. Um, is it an interesting movie? No. And I think that that's the big problem there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if you had kept the tone, but like somehow, you know, maybe worked on the story a little bit more to keep it, make it tighter. Like you said, flesh out the characters a little more. Make everything that's the backbone, the skeleton of this movie interesting. And then you can add the screwball element on top of it. And then you have a funny and interesting and exciting movie. But as far as it is now, it's just silly for silliness sake, but there's really nothing behind it supporting it, Yeah. you know? So would, would that work for like a 15 minute Looney Tunes cartoon? Yes. Does it work for an hour and a half movie? Probably not. So I'm going to say it's so, so verging on bad. Okay. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. It's not Blood Rain again. No. <laughs> Oh, but this is one of the most bizarre movies I have ever seen in my life. And it's the kind of movie that you just want to catalog that. Yes, this movie exists because it's just so bizarre. Yeah. You know, it really is. It's uh, it's a strange one, um, but I appreciate it. But we had fun watching it and talking about it. We really did. Yeah, I really liked this one. So thank you for watching Hudson Hawk with me. Ned. Always a pleasure. And I hope that you join me for another schlocky masterpiece in the future. We hope that you guys out there join us as well. And um, honestly, if you want to sing, you can sing all you want. Um, but you probably shouldn't make, you know, commit any heists or crimes. The best thing that you can do possibly right now if you want to sing with your friend is to sit them down and watch a movie. Bundle up, I feel the hawk coming in. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Just sex. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring very best violence. Just. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship.